Many people believe that the physician assistant profession began in 1967 with the first PA graduates from Duke University. Although those were the first officially recognized PAs, the concept of the profession was born in the 1940s with Dr. Amos Johnson's doctor's assistant, Henry Buddy Treadwell. The revolutionary thinkers that played a role in the formation of the growth of the PA profession have many stories to tell. You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, your host, and with me today is Dr. Reginald Carter, physician assistant and founder of the PA History Center and Society for the Preservation of Physician Assistant History. Today we're discussing the conception and growth of the PA profession. Hi, Reg. Welcome to ReachMD. Hi. I'm glad to be here today. Reg, tell us why is it so important that physician assistants understand their professional history? I believe that we need to understand the individual collective memories of those who helped establish our profession and, you know, sustain it through uh, many generations of changes that have occurred in the healthcare system to date. We really believe that it's important that our younger generation of PAs understand the context in which or the environment in which the PA concept originated and those that were the frontliners or the founders of our profession. It's also been said that if we don't really appreciate and understand our history, we have a hard time understanding where we're going and which direction we're going. And also I believe that it's important that we take history and understand the events that shaped our history so that we can make better decisions for the future. All of those are good reasons to understand one's history. So we all talk about Dr. Eugene Stead often and the great things that he did for our profession, but there are many other PA pioneers that were before him, worked with him and after him. Can you highlight a few? Right. Well, Dr. Stead is considered the originator of the profession in the sense that he got the first formal education program up and running at Duke University, and this occurred in 1965. Dr. Stead was addressing a local need for support personnel at Duke, and uh, he did understand the PA role because he had a role model in Amos Johnson and uh, Henry Buddy Treadwell in rural practice in North Carolina. He had tried with Samuel Ingalls to establish a nurse clinician program at Duke, was somewhat successful at that within the hospital setting, but that program was denied accreditation. So Dr. Stead turned to Corbin as his first source of recruits for training. There were a number of Corbin showing up at the hospital at that time and uh, were being used as clinical technicians, especially in the cardiac units and in the dialysis units. And so he was aware of these individuals and the talents they had. So if he couldn't do it with nurses, he decided to begin a program with ex-military corpsmen. But about the same time, there was another young doctor by the name of Richard Smith. Dick Smith, interestingly, worked in a clinic during the summer in pre-Castro, Cuba. Became very interested in a medical career and also wanted to be a medical missionary. That didn't work out for him, but he did graduate from medical school He had a a strong interest in public health, and he spent some time on an Indian reservation out in Arizona and then a couple years in Nigeria working in international health. 
When he came back to the United States, he was hired by the Surgeon General and eventually became head of their Office for International Health and got very involved with the World Health Organization. But while there, he about the same time that Dr. Stead was formulating his concept of a PA, uh, he came up with the idea of taking corpsmen and placing them with physicians and doing most of the training out with these physicians, basically on-the-job training but with oversight by individuals at the university. He went out to University of Washington and founded the Medics program, which was, again, a very different type program than the one at Duke. But with Duke and with the uh, Medics concept, we had the early beginnings of the PA movement. Dr. Hugh Myers was credited with establishing the first baccalaureate degree program for physician assistants. Tell us about him. Dr. Myers was located in Philippi, West Virginia at Alderson Broadus uh, College. Dr. Myers, his own family history is very interesting and we have it written up on our website, but Dr. Myers started one of the first baccalaureate nursing programs in West Virginia at the college and was very interested in uh, the PA concept early on. He's credited with starting the first baccalaureate program for PAs where one would come and, and go through four years of school and come out with a degree at the end of that. Another individual about the same time that Dr. Stead was launching his program at Duke was Dr. Henry Silver out at the University of Colorado in Denver. He and a nurse educator by the name of Loretta Ford began a nurse practitioner program in pediatrics. That program is recognized as the first formal training of nurses in that clinical role and launched the nurse uh, practitioner movement. Within a couple years, though, they also started another program called the Child Health Associate Program. That was the first PA program in the country training individuals to work with children. It's also recognized as the first program to offer a master's degree to its graduates and was the uh, first program that was instrumental in getting state legislation enacted for PAs under a licensure type of arrangement. And how about John Kirkland? John Kirkland at the University of Alabama was a renowned cardiovascular surgeon. In fact, helped uh, evolve the first heart-lung machine. He had the same concept that physicians many times were overtrained to do what they needed to do. There were shortage of physicians basically because of maldistribution. But he was very interested in training individuals to work with surgeons. So he's credited with establishing the first surgeon's assistant program and getting that off. I think if there's one thing in common among these individuals is the fact that they were all renegades. They really were centered on patient care and they thought about ways of improving the efficiency of physicians and providing that kind of care. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and I'm speaking with Dr. Reginald Carter, physician assistant and founder of the PA History Center and Society for the Preservation of Physician Assistant History. We're discussing the conception and growth of the PA profession. 
Sergio, let's talk about Henry Buddy Treadwell. I loved this story. I think everybody needs to know about it. So tell us a little bit about Dr. Amos Johnson and his relationship with Buddy. Amos Johnson was a general practitioner in Garland, North Carolina, in this very rural community. During his practice, he decided to hire Henry Buddy Treadwell. Now, Henry, or Buddy as he was called, was an African-American. His mother actually worked for the Johnsons. But while he was in high school, Dr. Johnson hired Buddy to work in the clinic. And his first duties were basically cleaning up the clinic, washing up the laboratory materials, watching over the kids. But Buddy was one of these inquisitive kinds of individuals, and Dr. Johnson and his wife began teaching Buddy uh, how to do other things. And he eventually started giving injections. He began bandaging wounds. And over a period of about 10 years, and this was in the 50s, Amos taught Buddy how to become a physician assistant. And Buddy was actually involved in diagnosing simple things. He did all the casting. He did a lot of the suturing and basically became Dr. Johnson's assistant. Now, you have to remember, this is the rural South in the 1950s and 60s, right when desegregation was taking place. So it's a a unique story between a white country physician and a young African-American and developing into this team. Dr. Stead knew Amos Johnson because Dr. Johnson was very involved politically in establishing family medicine as a specialty in the country. He had also served as president of the, at that time I think it was the Association of General Practitioners. And uh, Dr. Stead knew that Johnson could not have done those things unless he had the help of Buddy. Buddy was actually providing or serving a physician assistant role that only later uh, became available to those PAs who were trained in the 60s and 70s. And you guys have on the website, on the PA History website, you guys have a lot of pictures of Buddy and stories about their relationship. And it's important things to know. You also have so many artifacts in the History Center that represent all the different times of PA history. And there's a couple that I'd like to talk about. You have a couple donations from Dave Mittman. Could you tell us about those? Yeah, Dave sent us a uh, New York license tag and a frame that has the New York Society of PAs logo on it. The story is that the PAs in New York were wanting to gain recognition, and they noticed that MDs and nurses uh, had tags that would say MD or RN on them, and so they petitioned the state legislation to recognize PAs with a tag. It doesn't sound like a big deal today, but it was a big deal for them. And they were so proud when they were recognized as a profession, could get the tags and could put those tags on their cars. Dave says that really helped uh, in the parking lot because people could recognize that they were part of the staff, and especially if they went out and did house calls. But this, again, was at a time when people didn't know who PAs were, and it was just one of those occasions of trying to say we're here as a profession and we want to be recognized and I think that's a great story to be told. Tell us about some of the other artifacts that you have at the History Center or tell us some of your favorites. Oh gosh, uh, of course the pens. There's a, a large pen collection of PAs. For example, every time the Academy uh, has a meeting it has a special pen 
made for that meeting. I think the uh, foundation uh, sells those pens at meetings. So we have a collection of pens. We have stethoscopes. For example, Dr. Stead's stethoscope. There's many uh, posters that have been produced showing PAs in those posters for marketing purposes, and we have those. Just a large variety of different kinds of things, from personal articles to things that organizations have produced, even calendars and products that were handed out by pharmaceutical companies at meetings that had PA inscribed on it. So, Reg, what advice do you have for PAs regarding their history of the PA profession and what to take moving forward, and what are your thoughts about the profession's future? Well, the lessons to be learned are, one, that uh, in chaotic times such as were occurring in the 60s, when people are looking at uh, problems and new solutions, that's a good time to introduce an innovation such as the PA profession. I think the other thing we found out is you take advantage of the resources that you have available, and the one major resource at the time was ex-military corpsmen who had no civilian role to play, and people felt that their talents were being wasted and could be used in the civilian role. The other thing, the early programs uh, experimented. There were different types of programs, different specialty programs, different lengths, different ways of educating PAs, and that was good. Also... It was important to have all the stakeholders around the table, the nursing, the medical profession, the health policy people, the funding agencies, and they were invited early on to participate in evolving the concept. And I think the other thing we've learned is that it is important to understand your roots and your commitment to the ideals and the purposes that originated you as a profession and stay uh, true to those ideals even in a changing marketplace such as healthcare. As far as my thoughts about the future profession, as we see the PA profession now spread internationally, becoming a global concept, and as we see the numbers of PAs finally reaching a critical mass so that they can have a profound effect upon healthcare, I really have to say I think this is a story that's not been fully told yet. And there's still much, much more to come. Dr. Reginald Carter, thank you for your many years of dedicated hard work in preserving the PA history. And thank you for coming on the show. Oh, you're quite welcome. Glad to be here. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. And thanks for listening.